let me set it up. Let me set up the uh, the uh, the, uh, the last two weeks. Is that according to the Yerushalmi, as explained by the Yid Nefesh, we have a machlokin in Rav and Rav Yochanan. Rav says that slavery is what's wrong, and Rav Yochanan says slavery is what's right. <laughs> right, that's the simplest way, simplest way of framing it. Then we switch to the Nesivas. Uh, the Nesivas said, uh, said that, as opposed to thinking of it right, in those broad moral terms, they're, repla- they're replacing p- page 3 and on from last week. And we're all starting from page 3. Uh, so the Nesivas said that, well, we shouldn't think of it you know, as moral categories. Really what it is is that according to Rav, there cannot be a Kenyan, and everything that flows from that is, right, there's no Kenyan. Um, and, and, but outside of the question of whether there's a Kenyan Haguf, According to the Sivas explains the Ksosa saying, labor is just another form of, of contract law. And Rav Yochanan says that there's a specific ruling in, um, the specific rules of Avdus are applied all the way through, uh, through labor law, and that has one thing which benefits the employee and one thing which hurts the employee. It benefits the, uh, it benefits the employee in that you can, that you, that you can quit um, even if you still, sorry, it benefits the employee that you can sometimes make more than you bargained for, and it harms the employee because you can't quit without paying back the money. We can actually, you can actually demand specific performance if you pay somebody in advance, just like an Evan. Can't leave unless he pays cash. Right? The specific halacha we were, we were discussing is the halacha quoted in the Shulchan Aruch. The Shulchan Aruch rules not that way. Shulchan Aruch says that um, you can't demand specific performance from an employee even if you have paid the employee in advance and they cannot repay the advance. Okay, so the way the Nesivos explains that is that the Shulchan Aruch here must be pasketing like Rav, um, right, which is to say that the issue is there's no, there's no Kenyan, there's no Kenyan, you can never demand specific performance and it's just a chuv, and therefore, right, that would be, that would be consistent. Other people paskin, uh, other people paskin like Rav Yochanan, and we set the Machloket up that way, right? Okay. Um, so last time, uh, right, last time somebody asked, uh, somebody, somebody asked, uh, correctly, and I didn't have the Makor, now I have the Makor on Kedushin, uh, Chafim Bet, that actually the rules by which an Evan Ivri are, uh, is, calculates the, um, the way in which he pays back the, his advance, are always, it's Yad HaEvet Al Yona. so if the, right, if there's deflation, then what you do is you subtract what's left from the original, Right, he, only has to, he only has to pay the, the worth of what's left according to contemporary prices, and if there's been inflation, then he only has to pay proportionally to his original. Uh, right, the, the, the Gemara says that it's right. There's two psukim. Right, one is one is The Gemara interprets that to say that we interpret we interpret the psukim in such a way that it always comes out the evidence ahead. Okay, so then the question, right? So I would like to argue that means that we're always supposed to interpret the relationship between the, the relation the, these laws in favor of whoever is in place of the Evet, namely the right namely the employee but the Nesivas doesn't read it that way um, doesn't read it that way at all um, well, it's not what, what we do have according to the Nesivas is our Yochanan applies to two halachas of employee one is whether you can you can insist on specific performance when you can't repay the advance and the other is whether you can end up with more of what you actually did than you contracted for so we could think about, right, but how, right, if in this universe right, where there's an analogy drawn between the Evid and the employee, even if we think that the analogy is drawn without regard to results, we just draw the analogy in all cases, we can try to think about what the other context we would apply. And so what's an easy, 
context for right where you might think that there's a really interesting contemporary halacha that derives derived from Nevi'ivri. But Nevi'ivri finishes his term. What happens? No, that's if you choose to yeah. say. Well, what, what happens ordinarily, right? It's Hanek Taniklo. Severance. Even though that's not part of the original calculated amount. So there are people who try to argue that there is a halachic basis for severance pay on the analogy, on the analogy to Ebed Ivri. Um, right? whether, whether you're convinced by that or not, um, right? there's a specific alleged minag in the context of Klei Kodesh, which was called Kodesh L'Shana, which, right, which is a severance pay of eight and a, thir eight and a third percent. Um, there's a whole book written, uh, written establish, uh, establishing that. To some extent, that is taken as a standard in some rabbinic court decisions. And on the other hand, not clear on you know on what way it's binding, right? You know where how broad the minag is, and you can read this a whole safer called Kodesh Lashana uh, by uh, Rav in Queens, put out trying right, trying to defend it, and um, and I I've written about this also, and you can see whether you whether you find it compelling. But that might be another nafkamina, and then we could just go through all the halachos of 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 uh, of Evivri. We know one place where it probably doesn't um, where it probably doesn't apply, which is the Isra Vavodas Perach. Um, right, where certain kinds of labor can't be right, can't be can't be assigned to an evidentiary pointless labor. Right, so the question is, but do we think that you can't freely that you can't freely contract for that kind of labor? Um, right, so right, so right, so there, there are all sorts of ways. If we take the evidentiary analogy seriously, we could extend it into all areas of law, and we could think of ways in which it, right, it's beneficial. Which I am biased, so I tend to think of those. <laughs> uh, right, but there's one, right, and you can think of ways in which in which it's uh, in which it it's it's not for the employee, right? So that thinking about the way, even if we're applying review Yochanan purely um, purely mechanically, uh, also it's not clear right how right. So it sounds like you know, all all these halakhas only according work according to um, Rav Yochanan, whereas according to Rav, we have just a pure freedom of contract, right? That's Right, the way the Nesibus is reading it, Rav, all Rav says is there are no binding contracts, and just play it out from there. Okay, so we start, right, so we wanted to, this is the way the Nesibus set it up, which ends up with the Shulchan Aruch having to paskin like Rav. Uh, but having to pas but paskin like Rav in this, right, where he then makes that Rav mean this. Uh, right, so I wanted to, start to go back and look at the sources and see whether it is really compelling that that's what the Shulchan Aruch means. So we started showing that the that the Shulchan Aruch is really just a right is just a citation from the Beis Yosef and the Beis Yosef is just a citation from the Ma'arif, um, right? So there's no there's no there's no analysis in the Beis Yosef that gives us any clue as to what's really happening in the in the Shulchan Aruch. Only does, right the Ma'arif says explicitly right that if you right that if you have a um, that if you have if you have an employee who uh, has been paid in advance and can't repay it he's still allowed to break the contract and. Just um, right, and just take the take the whatever is left of the advance, however you calculate what's left of the advance, as a loan. Okay, so the question then is, what's the right, what does the Marik say? Because Marik is really the is really the first person whom we have um, direct access to. Um, although, right, just to set us up in right, when the when the the Nesivos talked about the analogy to Eved, he attributed the analogy to Eved to a Chuvas Maimonides, which is Marami Rottenberg. Right, so we know that there's an early right. There's a Marik. Now the Marik is is a late is um, late fifteenth, early sixteenth century. Marami Ruttenberg is twelfth century, um, right? So and the if the Shulchan Aruch is passing like the following the basis of the Marik and passing like Rav, 
and the analogy to Eved is is, right, is drawn from the from the from the Maram much earlier. So now we have a whole interesting halachic question, right? And why and why does the Shulchan Aruch not quote the Maram here? Does the Maram necessarily disagree? Right? According to the Nesivos' analysis, the Maram should necessarily disagree. So why doesn't he quote it? Right? So all sorts of challenges are set up by talking about by talking about the lambdas in uh, in this way. Okay. So what I showed you in, in the Maram to begin with, sorry, in the Marik to begin with. Is that the part of the part of the challenge of figuring out what's going on in the Marik is that the Marik is not actually interested in our case at all directly. Marik mentions our uh, mentions our halacha in the context of a discussion of a totally new topic, which is whether partnership agreement labor partnership agreements, right? Because right? otherwise it wouldn't be re- right? it wouldn't be relevant to us, right? But partnership agreements which compel one or both parties to engage in specific performance. Right, if you already if you enforce it, right? I'll, I'll do this work if you do that work. Uh, right, so whether those kind of contracts are uh, are binding. Uh, so I'm going to tell you in advance, right, uh, what it is I think I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you in, in Maharik, and then you'll right, then we'll go through it, and you'll tell me if you find it convincing. What I think we're going to find in Maharik is that he says exactly what Nesivas says. His analysis is exactly the analysis of Nesivas. But it has absolutely no relationship to this halacha. Okay, that's going to be my that's going to be my claim. Right? The Nesivos claims that there's this analysis of Rav in Rav Yochanan, and that this halacha ends up being according to Rav. I'm going to claim that Marik is going to agree with everything that he says about Rav and Rav Yochanan, and then deny that this halacha is related to one side of the machlokit. And once we say that, then we'll have to try and figure out what. What possibilities is that open? If I if I can establish that uh, that to your satisfaction, okay. Now the Marik begins by um, set, by bringing in two parties who have not previously been introduced, namely the Rambam and the Rambam. Okay, what he says is that the Rambam uh, seems to say um, that uh, right pretty explicitly, right, that you can't have a Kenyan. Uh, right, in Hilchas Mechira, he says that you can't have a Kenyan on a Dover on a Dover. Uh, and his example of that is a right. It seems to be a Kenyan shutfus. One of his examples. Uh, then he has a second claim, which it seems that the Megalos just ignores in one place, uh, where he says that this is true even shekanumi adam, which makes sense because if the Kenyan can't be chal, so what would it matter if you made a Kenyan? Right. So the Rambam seems to think that there is no possibility of a Kenyan. Of a Kenyan Shutfut, by expressing that as saying that it's a Dabr Shaim Mamesh, so that sounds like an articulation of the position that there's no Kenyan Haguf possible in terms of labor. Because the person is Dabr Shaim right, Mamesh. So there's no reason I shouldn't be able to be mocking myself to you or you to me. So the claim, claiming that a partnership work agreement is a Dabr Shaim Mamesh is a claim that there can't be Kenyan Haguf, right? Now the Ramam. Uh, is established as following the position as we set up according to Rav. The Ravid, uh, the Ravid disagrees on site uh, in both these places, and the Ravid says in the first place, right, Hilchas Mechira, Aval Hashituf Atzmo Nikne Bekinyan. And in the in the second place, he says, Horush Adam Yachol Laknosis Atzmo Lechavera Bekinyan Kedin Avadi. Okay, so the right, right. So it sounds like we have a very bold claim that the Rambam paskins like Rav, and the Ravid paskins like Rav Yochanan. Right in the 
if we already have the, the Nesibos' framework in mind, we know exactly what's going on here. The Marik is going to complicate this because he says there's another Rebbe. Okay, there's a Rebbe in the Tshuva uh, that I have not been able to find. It's not clear to me that this is a Tshuva which we have. Uh, it's not in it's not in Barilan, it's not um, that I can find it. I haven't found any but any secondary source who cites it as anything other than the tshuva quoted by the right, quoted by the Marik. So right, we're gonna have to take it on faith that there is such a tshuva the Ravid, or at least that the Marik had access to such a tshuva the Ravid, right? For our purposes at this stage, it doesn't matter to us in the at all if um, if the if the Marik is historically correct or not. Um, Okay, so, so the Rebbe has a case, and he says it's clear, the first paragraph tells you is that it's clear in his case that there was no language of Kenyan in the agreement between the parties. Right, there's a Shutfus agreement, right, among doctors, right, to, right, to, right, to, share, to share, share work in a single office, and then one of them stops showing up. And it's, right, it says it's clear that they didn't use the language of, um, of Kenyan. Now he says, right, and this is the first asterisk, Vine, Lashon Hasagas Arrived, Mochiach, the Dafka Kishiyeshem Kinyan, who the Polygol Arena Moshe, Sherekasa, Rabasena Horosh Adam Yahol Haknos Atmo, Bikinian, Kidin Haavadin. All right, so, right, so the, the thing that he's interested in is, um, right now, is that it sounds like in the Rive, in the Rivet, you can be Makna yourself, Makna Guf, just like an Evid, but you have to say that's what you're doing. But is he also attributing that to the Rambam? No. No, the Rabbi's Cholik on the Rambam. Okay. Okay. With well, the problem that. No, no. Chorer Bosai for the Rabbid is uh, is the his predecessors in Provence. Uh, okay, sorry, I didn't understand what the question was. Yeah. Um, okay, but now he says, right? Uh, he says Vine. Right, we just said about the Hasagas Rabbid, but now he claims Amnam Lashon Shuva Tomochiach, the Gam below Kinyan Mehani Tnai Hashutfim. He says, but the language of the Rabbid's Shuva that we don't have, except for this citation. Demonstrates you don't need a Kenyan. Because the language of the Ravid says that Shutafin Shahisnu Shutfus, Afilu Mimitsiya, they even agree that if they find lost objects, which we'll see later, right, we'll see in, in sometime down the road, that finding lost objects is, is kind of the ideal measure of whether there's a Kenyan Haguf or not. Right, if, you, if you have a Kenyan Haguf, so that if you pick up a lost object, then, right, then your hand just becomes the extension. Of the right, the extension of the of the whatever you committed to his hand, right? And the classic example of that is an evit yad evit ki robo. Right. So the rabbit says that if you make an agreement among shutafim, even if that agreement extends to what should be classic avdus, right, that's the simple. That's the way. Let's say that's the way of reading mitzvah for now. Afilu shen adam makne right. Whatever the issue, the issue, the issue is the issue with Kenyan um, being you have to figure however however we finish the sentence. Um, probably it's the varshal bali olam. Right, so how can you make a kidney on something that hasn't happened yet and you haven't found the Messiah yet? You don't even know it exists? Fine. Whatever that problem is, Tanam Kayam. Their Tanai is uh their Tanai is Kayam. So the so the um, Marik says when you say Tanao Kayam, that does not sound like language of Kenyan at all. That sounds like we just made a verbal agreement and we're bound by that verbal agreement. Okay? So he thinks there's an internal contradiction in the right in the Ravid. The Ravid in the Ravid the in his Hasagos on the Rambam thinks that you can only have a Kenyan Haguf for Shutfus if you say, I am being Makna Atzmi to you like an Evid. 
And then his trivial, he doesn't seem to think that's necessary at all. We can just make a, a, a verbal agreement. The kind, and you understand why there's enough Gemina for his case, because that's his case. Right? There's a verbal, right? There's, there's some kind of agreement which is not formally framed as a kinyan. Okay. Now he says, um, he says, look, so if that's right, why does Ram use the language of Kinyan so right, so strongly and so blatantly and so obviously, right, in, in his Hasagos? So you can claim that the Ravid changed his mind, which he does change his mind, but it's cheating to claim he changed his mind with no evidence at all. Right, it's dochek, right? To say that with no evidence at all, the Ravid reaches the same halachic conclusion, but had a radical shift, uh, or didn't really reach the same halachic conclusion, shifted his halacha as to whether this works when you have when you have no kinyan or not. So he says, "Nira laniyastati, the yesh lomer demashe matzrich kinyan basagaso, hainu kadesh lo yuchal hashutav lachzorbo." Okay, so now he introduces a whole new distinction. He says, "When we when we ask the question whether a partnership was binding." There are two possibilities. There are two questions we can ask. One is, is it binding in retrospect? And the other is, is it right? Am I bound to maintain the partnership? So what he says when we say tznam kayem means that so long as they have not explicitly withdrawn from the agreement, it's binding on them. But you need a kinian to prevent you from breach, right? To, uh, to prevent you from breaching the partnership. Right, so the claim is that the Chuba is talking about a right, is talking about the past, right? What are the rules of the partnership so long as it lasts, and the right and the, and the Asagos are talking about the future. Am I bound to continue the uh, uh, the partnership? And here he says, Okay, so you couldn't ask for something more wildly explicit than that. Right, he says that. Avdus is mutter. The purpose of making a kinyan is to eliminate the standard rule called yachalachzorbo. And if you make a kinyan, then you can override the ban on specific performance. Because Avdus is mutter. Okay, now you should still be able to buy yourself out in some way, I guess, right? But that's his first, his first position is, right, as of now, is that the Ravid holds like Rav Yochanan, all the way, and you're entitled, right? You're entitled to sell yourself as an evet, and if you sell yourself as an evet, great, you're bound. Okay. Okay, Amar Rabba be Parakamid Kedushin, Parakozel evet every gufo kanoi. But the Truva, right? He's he's talking about Hanu Dafka Kol Kamad Lo Mahadur Be Mahadur Be Ashutaf, right? That's just retrospective, and that makes. A, uh, that makes a lot of sense, and he says, right, if we follow four lines to the bottom, the right? Since he doesn't mention Avdus in the right in the um, in the Chuba, so he must not be talking about specific specific performance. Whereas in the in his of the Ramam, he is talking about he is talking about, but his interesting language, last line he says, the Adaraba, since he doesn't mention Avdus in the Hasagos, Ella. Right, so he's developing a more complicated model where a standard poil, there's no Kenyan, but you're in t you're, you're, you can transform a standard poil into an Evid if you make such an agreement. 
Right? And it's not clear how that fits into the model we had previously at all. Right? Why is the stand right? Why you know now it's just like we're setting up different models on our own which have no right have no precedent at all so far as we can tell. Right? You can just do whatever you want and determine whether specific performance is binding whether you, whether you want it or not. It's not clear how you buy your way out of a partnership in advance, right? Because there's no there's no specific deal. I guess you could pay for all the work you would do forever. How long does the partnership last? Right. So it's right. So it's a very complicated notion, right? If you can do this, it might be that you can really just sell yourself as a permanent slave by entering into a shit fist. I'll have to figure out how we get there, right? So we don't really know how he's playing this out on the on the Rav Ravyokran axis because it doesn't sound like he has a vision of labor that is bound by any of these axes. Okay. Um, now he says, "Hasagaso, ain't maybe right a mitzvahs pole balabayes bishman shesachar lulukot mitzvahs." He says, "If he's trying to bring a proof that a pole can be nikne lugufo, why doesn't he bring the, a proof that, according that, what, which we'll see you know, much later, that a pole can? There are certain kinds of polim who can bind themselves in such a way that they cannot acquire mitzvahs for themselves." Right? That 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 should be the classic evidence that a poel can bind themselves, right? Can bind themselves as a as a kinyanaguf. The answer he says to that is no. That wouldn't work. Why wouldn't that work? Because the Gemara is going to say that even a poel who binds themselves to the extent of not being able to acquire objects on their own still can't be bound to specific performance. Because that's what the halacha is of kili ben Yisrael avadim. And the Ravid wants to be, let you bind yourself to specific performance. Therefore, he has to say, we're binding you like an Evid and not like a, and not like a Poel. Aye, why isn't there a rule, preventing you from binding yourself like an Evid? That we don't know. Right? The, right, the, Gemara, there is, the Gemara there is according to Rav, right, which says, binding yourself like an Evid, right? So, is, is it, right, it, it sounds like you think, okay, that can be the quarter of we possibly like Rabbi right, That's what the right that can is no proof, because that can only shows that Apollo can bind themselves not to specific performance. But if you say like an Evid, then you can. Rob says you can't make yourself like an Evid. Okay, so at the end of the day, right, right now, right, it sounds like we have a we have basically the machlokis between Rav and Rav Yochanan the way that the Nasiva set it up, where Rav says it has one implication, which is specific performance. And Rav Yochanan says it doesn't even have that implication. Uh, maybe Rav Yochanan holds that in that in narrow, that, you know, maybe that if you engage it in such a way that it can, you can calculate it so you can buy your way out, you have to let him buy, that, buy, your, buy your way out. But if you can figure out a way, maybe, where there's no way to calculate what you owe, so, okay, why not? Okay, right, so now we've, you know, my take is we've completely removed all the moral content from these offers. We have formalities. We figure right, we can we can make them formal. We we can accomplish whatever we want by pro, by proper wording of the contract. Okay, I always wonder whether that's the right way to understand halacha, right? Or to turn it into a turn it into a um, you know a game of who has a really competent lawyer. Um, an example I talk about in this regard was um, <coughs> my dear friend, who's a wonderful, wonderful, talented human being, Rabbi Yonah Reis, gave a shear in uh, NYU some years ago about. Uh, the importance of writing a principle. Really, really important to write a principle. Which I sort of agree, but like, it's kind of, but to reduce Shemitah's Ksafim, 
to the technicality because it wasn't just important writing it was important writing the right kind of principle and I like said to him like but is that really what the content of the Torah Halakosh Mitzvah Ksafim is that you have to know the details well enough to write the contract to evade it right that's how you're supposed to get religious meaning out of the law right that was very you know and I asked him like point blank you had a million dollar case which depended on whether somebody's some, the, the rabbi you picked to write your ketubah picked the right contract manual as to, right, as to how to write the right whether they whether they, they took the one from Ray Black's book or they took the one from the right from a, from a different people's book and it's question and it's question would you possibly would you really feel comfortable posketing a million dollar case based on whether somebody wrote the right language of the contract so in a legal system you have to right that's what contracts do you right you set expectations but the problem is we don't have those expectations well enough because we don't have a centralized system so it's just a question right so when you come to it it's an innocent balabais. Right, who went to what looked like an authoritative thing and then didn't know that your bezin doesn't basket according to that contract. Right, so you really be comfortable interpreting it that way. So I'm, I'm always nervous about reducing halacha to that unless we have a binding system where everybody can reasonably know which way we're going to basket. Um, but she agreed, of course. Uh, we usually agree. Uh, they didn't agree with me that it didn't make that that undermine the meaningfulness of the discussion about which right, about which way, which way to write the contract. Uh, right, because the right way to write the contract really is this contract shall be interpreted in such a way that it accords with whichever position the baked in holds of the way in which a principle is, uh, right, in which a principle is binding, right? That's the, if you're a good lawyer, you write it that way, right? And you, or you do it like the way, uh, the way uh, Heter Iska has done for Israeli banks, right? Where there's, right, it's the way we do for, we do for Shtaros by Mechir Hamet, right? You write a single star, and everybody agrees that that star is, that that star is, is valid. And every other, every subsequent contract in, in, right, incorporates that star by reference. So you don't actually have to know the details at all. At all, you just have to know which star is, which star you're referring to. You don't have to know what that star says. You just have to know, right? And that's what if you look at walking the back lumi, right? There's a sign on the door saying, right, all all things here are conducted in accordance with the heterisco, which you can find at website so and so. And every loan just has an incorporated sign that this loan should be in, understood in terms of, uh, right, in terms in terms of heterisco. And there's a famous case, which is also you know where the where somebody uh, somebody sued to be able to evade New York State's usury laws about maximum interest you can charge on credit cards. Right, it used to be many states had rules about that, and then uh, Montana, I think, or one of those states, South Dakota, eliminated all usury rules, so all credit card companies moved to that state. Uh, so we don't really have maximum interest rates, but for a long time we did. And somebody said, but we signed Hedrisco, so it's not really a loan, so it's not bound by that, and they won. <laughs> Right, so now the halakha of ribis enabled us to charge exorbitant interest rates, which were illegal under Dina Malchusa, without had to risk it. Right, so that's an example of halakha being used against, right, against its principles. I think. Um, okay, um, so here, uh, right, so now we've gotten to that, we've gotten to that point where we can, you know, where we can turn all of the analogies and the psukim into just questions of did you write the contract properly to evade the restriction. Right to evade the restrictions these attempt to impose on labor law. Um, okay, now what he says. Um, he says, but what, so he says that the proof of this is right at the top of the second page. Right, Uvasaga ain maybe right about CS Paul about bias. Right, so he doesn't bring the proof from the, from the workers. These manches har little quote Matthias. Athel gav distam Even though everybody agrees with that halacha. Okay, so now it's an interesting thing. Right, that that uh, that brisa which says you can. Um, which says that you that the halacha ends up that you can you can um, become the hand of the employer, 
everybody agrees with it, um, because it says, Right, so that brisa which teaches this halacha about being able to be knocked on yourself to the extent of picking a mitzvah is ledivri hakol, because it was only reflected one mandamar. The gemara wouldn't ask a kasha on a mishnah from it. If we think it reflects Rav as opposed to Rav Yochanan, the gemara should be asking a kasha on Rav from the mishnah, not asking a kasha or right from this halacha on the right of the mishnah. Or if it's a brisa, so we should just say, okay, it's a machlokit, right? So it must be, he says, that it's consensus. Shavka haraivid b'hasagaso, but the right and the raivid still leaves it aside. So it must be that I'm right, and the reason the raivid leaves it aside is he can't prove shutfus his rule about shutfus from Poland because by shutfus he's trying to get to specific performance, and according to that gemara you can't get to specific performance. Maybe he means that everybody agrees that there can't be specific performance, and even Rav Yochanan is somehow going to get there with it right with his with his restrictions. Maybe he means that, but probably not. Right? For the purpose of Shutfus, we're certainly going to end up saying that there's specific performance. And that's why he can't quote Paul. That's why he quotes him. Okay, now he says. So that's why the Ravid in his Asagos quotes Abdus as the model. And Ebedivri cannot just break the contract. Right, Evidivri has, right, has ways of leaving. He can pay back. But he's right, very careful. He's not thinking of paying back as a way of avoiding specific performance. Right, he's thinking of paying back just as an Evidivri has the way to reverse the Kenyan. Right, the There's a difference between saying right, that I'm canceling the transaction and saying that I'm engaging in a new transaction. So he understands Evid Ivri as right, Evid Ivri buying his way out as I'm engaging in a new transaction that was originally acquired for all six years, and now I am buying back the past three years, but there really was a Kenyan. Um, okay. The Enko right? So that's right. So that, that's why he has to bring up Adim because, because Evid Ivri really has no right to breach the contract. So partners can also put themselves in a situation where they have no right to breach the contract. Aval Poel. But a poel can be chuzer. He says, look, and I can prove to you that a poel cannot be, a poel um, can't be a raya, because not only can a poel be chuzer if he hasn't been paid already, a poel can even be chozer if he hasn't been paid already. Okay, so that proves to you that proves to you that you couldn't possibly use the halacha of poel for the rivet to get to where he wants to by shutfus. Okay, that is the right. That is the um, the the um, the essential um, the essential argument that the um, the rivet makes. Let's run through the rest of it just so we understand, and then we'll come back to it. You're going to say, hang on a sec. Okay, so we just said is that a poel can always be chosrebo. And Eved can't be chosrebo at all. Who says Shutafin should be more like an Eved than like a poel? So his answer is, you know what? Even the poel being able to chosrebo, even if we didn't have the halach of Eved, 
We still couldn't use that to prove anything about Shutafin not being able to close her bow. Because um, we can say, but Shutafin are mutual. Okay, so this is a really interesting claim, right? So what he says is, even if there were no halacha of Eved, um, right, and, right, and we just tried to bring the proof from Poel, so the Poel can't be bound by specific performance because of Rav's law, but maybe Rav's law has a rationale. And we're not going to use the law, the rationale to extend the law to other things that look like Avdus among workers. We're going to use the law to exclude certain workers from the ambit, of, right, from the ambit namely Shutafin. Shutafin don't violate Kilibin Eshar al-Vadim because there's no single master and slave. Right? It is, um, as uh, Ambrose Bierce uh, said, uh, unfortunately, about marriage. Right? Ambrose Bierce said marriage is a community consisting of two masters and two slaves. <laughs> Right, so this is right. So, right, so here he's adopting Ambrose Bierce's. Uh, uh, for those of you who don't know Ambrose Bierce, he wrote a book called The Devil's Dictionary, um, which, um, which you can you can get the spirit of. So. Uh, okay, so right, so what he says, what he, so what he says is that um, even even if we all we had was Rav's pasuk, and there were no way to call yourself an evident contract around it, that still wouldn't prove anything about Shutafim. Um, okay, right, that's right. And, there, and then he says, right, that, um, Why does the Mordechai talk about mutual as opposed to one way? Right, right, because the Mordechai says that if you had a one way contract, so that's subject. But if it's a mutual contract, it's not subject to Paul And he thinks the best explanation for that is the um, right is his explanation in the Raiva that Kilibin and the whole the whole analogy of Poel only works in one way relationships and not the two way relationships. Okay, so it sounds like we have the Machlokis Rav and Yochanan set up the way the Nasivas did, with a you know something that makes it even less you know, I guess morally significant, which is that it's not actually a choice of which one it's not that there's there are two models for governing employment, and the question is which one we employ. There are two models of governing employment, and you can choose which one to enter. Uh, right, that's the way he sets it up. But here's the thing, and this is a version of of his argument about the bright. Remember, he said that there's that the the brisa about Mitzia is obviously consensus because you're using it to ask a question. And if it was only one side, it would be right. Then it wouldn't make any sense to ask the question from it. So what did Marik do here? He said, "I can prove to you that the analogy to pole wouldn't work because halacha is that a pole can be chozerbo even if he's paid in advance." He doesn't say the halacha that a pole is paid in advance is derived from one side of the machloket. He assumes that it's true for both sides of the machloket, and therefore he can make an argument assuming it. So right, so if that's true, that means that he right that this this halacha is his basis. 
So it can't work only according to Rav or only according to Rav Yochanan. Because the whole point is he's setting up a Machlokas. Right? And, if we, and he certainly can't claim it's according to Rav, right, because he's holding that the Ravid, because the Ravid holds like Rav Yochanan. So I want to argue that although it's true that the, the, the Marik understands the Machlokas between Rav and Rav Yochanan in a way analogous to the right, to the um, to the uh, position of the way the Siva sets it up, but he doesn't actually have any evidence that that's the right way to explain this Halakha and Shulchan Aruch. And once you understand that, so then you say, hang on a sec, but the Rambam Paskins like Rav. But he thinks this Halakha is Lechol Hadeus. So it must, right, so you can, so it must be possible, even according to him, to construct a position according to which this halacha is true, even according to Rav. Right? That right that you're just right, even though you're only fun you're functioning with the anti-slavery model, you're still you still right, you still can't allow specific right, uh, right? So it must be it, or right, but, but sorry, I'm trying to be right. So the, it must be it must be that it doesn't depend on the Mahlokas Rav and Rav Yochanan, which is right, I think that's the easier way to say it. Okay, so that's the first sorry, thing. No, what, so we started off by saying right the 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 Nesiva's argument was why does the Shulchan Aruch paskin this way? By paskining this way that you right that you right the Shulchan Aruch is taking sides in the Mahlokas between Rav and Rav Yochanan. But if you read the Shulchan Aruch source, the Shulchan Aruch source quotes this halacha as a given, according to all positions. Okay, so it's going to work out, right? So it's possible to construct a position which go right where the advantages go both ways. We always side with the employer, with the employee. It's not dependent in the way the right in the way the Nesiva set it up. That you can only have you you have to choose which halacha you want to follow because you're following mechanically. This halacha is right. This halacha is independent. Of the question, right? Of the question, whether you pass in like Rav or pass in like Rav Yochanan. So if you pass in it, right? So if you pass in like Rav, I start to right. If you pass in like Rav, you can say, okay, so there's an absolute ban specific performance. And if you pass in Rav Yochanan, so we're going to say, hang on a sec, but every has to pay cash. Well, so what? Even though every has to, every has to pay cash, we're not going to apply that rule to a poll. Why, according to Rav Yochanan, if we apply the rules of every to a poll? The answer is because Ryokan isn't trying to come up with just a model, he's trying to make sure that, employ that employees are not slaves. And but when it's advantageous that he's like slaves, then he's okay. Right? So I think that right, so I, I said I had the backwards before, but I think that's the right way to set it up, right? Is that we thought the way that Asiva set it up, Ravyokan applies the laws of right a poll is like an Evid and has the advantages and disadvantages of Evid, period. But the way that the way that um, the way that the Marik sets it up in right it's clear that it can't be that way because even the position that holds that the, that that holds like Yochanan still thinks that a poel is better than an than an evidentiary in this way that a poel can break breach a contract even if he doesn't even if he's been paid in advance and doesn't have the cash. Now where would he get this idea? Right? Why why would the Marik think that this is true? Right? We so we are like we're puzzled all the way through because we haven't found the makor for the Marik. Right? He just seems to have made it up. So we said, okay, we can get there. We can get there by saying that the uh, by saying that we pass in like Rob, and Rob absolutely bans specific performance and what, what are the implications. 
But now he says it according to Rabbi Yochanan. I mean, Rabbi Yochanan can't just ban something from performance per se because he allows Abdus. Okay, so our puzzle, our puzzle, walk, right, as we go, st- the next step is, right, how can, right, how can, right, we, had, we started with this halakha and the Shulchan Aruch, which seemed really odd, which there was no source. So the Siva said, okay, right, we're going to set this up based, uh, ready, come, and we're going to set this up based on Machlokas Rav and Rav Yochanan. But we know where the Shulchan Aruch got it from. He got it from the Marik, and the Marik really doesn't set it up as Machlokas Rav and Rav Yochanan. He says it will differ Yakol. Rav and Rav Yochanan, Ramam and Ravid, already the Marik seems to think that everybody agrees. So where could Marik get this idea from? So we have to go back one step further. And even though the Marik doesn't quote it, right, what we want, what, what we expect it to be is it has to be in the Maharal. Because that's the only prior source we have. And the Maharal is the source of the analogy to, of the analogy to, um, to objects. So let's take a look at the Maharal, which is a fascinating trip. Uh, right, this is a tshuva which which is quote, which was was quoted in the beginning of the pandemic. It was like one of it was uh, one of the the primary sources. As Bazut Shuvas Mori Rabbeinu Zatzal, we're on page five. Asher Shalt Al Tinok Shechala Kachodin. Right, there was a kid who got sick, and the kid had a tutoring contract. So if the kid gets sick. Does the tutor get paid or not? Okay, you know, full disclosure. My wife is a tutor. <laughs> my wife is a tutor, so I may have a really good interest. And how this uh, and how this played out, but it was you know all the issues about tuition, and right in the pandemic, all those issues right uh, right started started to some extent from this shuvah. Although the, there were number a number of shuvahs, it's famous some sofer about it as well. Okay, so the answer he says malamed shechala and pochasimlo, right? If the if the malamed gets sick, then he gets paid fully. de evid ivri shechala Oh boy, right now we know where we got the analogy from, right? An Evid, right, if an Evid, an Evid, right, has a guaranteed contract. You can't cut an Evid because of injury. Um, right? And a pole is just like an Evid. But now the analogy starts breaking down because if the, if the kid gets sick, so then the Malamid loses out. Why? Since it's not a common thing. So then, right, so anything which is not so common that we assume it's built into the contract, you have to explicitly put in a tsai. Right? There, right? There's really three levels. It gets very complicated. The things that are obvious, everybody we assume are in the contract. The things that never happen, which you don't have to put into the contract. And the things which happen often enough that you have to put into the contract, but you can't assume them. Right? So children getting sick is not so common that you can assume it's in the contract. And not rare enough, right? and not rare enough that, you, that you didn't have to put in the contract. It's a condition you, ha- you have to put in the contract. If the Malama didn't put in the contract, it's his fault. Okay, so if we're really taking the analogy to Avdus correctly, that doesn't work at all, because if you're an Evidivri, right, and you're right, I I buy, I buy you as an Evidivri because I want you to, uh, to right to to uh, farm my fields, and then all my fields get swamped, right, or salted, or whatever it may be. That doesn't change, right? That doesn't change the Evidivri's thing, right? Evidivri gets paid no matter what happens. So this distinction chips away at the notion that the Marama is drawing a precise analogy between the Evid and the between the Evid and the Po. But it turns out really interestingly that the Maram doesn't even stick to this psaq. So Shuv Khazarbo Mori Rabir Bayer He changed his mind. Vizeh Lushono Ashirkasa Bemigdal Insig Inzig Shaheim 
Right? So you know the Maram right, it was held for basically for ransom by the government at some point, right? and he refused to be redeemed because he thought it would be too much for the community, so he spent the last X number of years of his life uh, right, in a not, you know, not, a, not a hard labor prison, but confined. Um, right? That's what Migdal Eisenstein is, right? it's the, the tower that he's being held prisoner. So he says the Gemara asked the question, the Parach Talmud ki Kilo Anis Nami, which is a Gemara we'll have to look at again. He thinks that the Gemara proves that there are um, that there are cases where a right where the po- where the poel the Gemara draws an analogy between a case where the poel is forced to breach the right is forced you know by circumstances to breach the contract and where he's not and the Gemara says they're analogous and he says look if the poel breaks the contract voluntarily there's no way he can get paid for the whole contract. That doesn't make any sense. Therefore, he says, since the Gemara says the halacha, the outcome is the same, whether the pole breaches voluntarily or involuntarily. And the outcome if the pole breaches voluntarily can't be more than you get paid for what you did. Therefore, the outcome if the pole breaches involuntarily can only be that you get paid for what you did and not for what the contract said you would get. Therefore, he says, I must be wrong about, right, I must be wrong about my, about my, uh, about my halacha in um, that the, um, that the worker get that the worker gets paid that the malama gets paid um, if right if if he uh, if he bre- if he breached the contract involuntarily because right because he shouldn't get paid for work he didn't actually do. Okay. Yeah, sorry, I was going to be lecturing more <laughs> this week, so hopefully this is just really hard work and that's why everybody's looking at me this way. <laughs> uh, okay, so now he says, and this is the line that's going to matter for us. He says, "Vakashilan," but with this is difficult for me. Right, the pole has a din of evidentiary. Right, so now he right, so he thinks that the rule of pole yachol is not derived from Rav. The whole rule of pole yachol is derived from evidentiary. Right, exactly not the way that right the nesiva set it up. Right, how is it derived? The alfina lami evidentiary the yotze migiron kesef. Right, that because we, we derive from Evid Ivri that you have right that you that you can't be held to specific performance because you can pay it back. Right, so he's not understanding it as right as being bound by the as you're bound your way back, but you can't be held. And now watch this line. He says, "The whole kule de Evid Ivri yafinal lepoel yafinal lepoel mikal v'chomer." That the right, it's not that Rav Yochanan takes Avdus as the paradigm for employment. He thinks that all the leniencies of Evid are transferred to Paul, but not all the halachos. Only the leniencies. Why? Hashta Evid Ivri de Avad Isura, the Avar Alkili Ben Israel Avadim, the Avadim, the Avadim, the Gufo Kanui, Makilin Bay, Kol Shekane de Paul. Because he thinks that the person selling themselves a slave has themselves transgressed. And because they're transgressed, then some of the natural rights of an employee are taken away from them. And an employee, right? Employee is restored. Right, an employee is in the state of nature. Right, state of the state of nature. And Evan Ivry is right. Evan Ivry has de- has lost some of those privileges. That's why we 
created the out that he could buy himself out to remedy the... You could have argued that. Right, you could have argued that. You could have argued that he's that, that he's the most impoverished, or right? he was forced to sell him. Right? Also, he doesn't, but he doesn't read it that way at all, right? That, right. I think that's right. You know, we can say that, but he doesn't read it that way. He reads it that the that selling yourself as a slave is a wrong, and if you sell yourself and right, if you sell yourself as a slave, you lose rights. And the purpose of Rav Yochan's analogy is to set a floor for the halacha of the employee of the of the employee, not a ceiling. It's a knas on the right. It's a knas on the now. Try and play this out to the machlokas Ram and Ravid, and you discover that a, right that the Ravid can't possibly fit with Rav Yochanan, because selling yourself as an Evid is an is an iser. So if selling yourself as a shutta is selling yourself as an Evid, then you did something iser. So the whole framework that the Nasiba set up doesn't work at all in the in the in the Maharam. And if the Maram is the source for the Marik, uh, which may or may not be, right, certainly right, then uh, right, then you can right, then you can blow it up all the way through. And at the very least, you can see that the way right, you can see that it's possible for the Rambam to be frank, right, functioning in in this framework. If there may be a way for both Sukkim to function together, because right, what he's saying is that Evidim Rav Yochanan agrees that there's an history of Kili Bnei Shalavadim Labadim Labadim. Labadim. Right, so that so that right, so that drusha is not according to Rav as opposed to Rav Yochanan. Right, that drasha is lechol hadeos, um, right? As the right, which is what essentially the Marik said by saying it's right that that is lechol right that kol chosher b'alachaseiyom is lechol hadeos. Okay, so that's where I right, where I really I think that's probably where we should um, end today because we're going to get to uh, tomorrow. But it's just as you should have the last thing, fun thing at the end. So at the end, the um, at the end, at the end, he says no. Right, so I, I, I would be cheating not to end. So at the end, he says, "V'yesh lomar." Shani Hasam Shikvar Kibela Evid Kesef, Avalhacha, Adailanasan Lobala by Ishar. So he makes this distinction. But where does he make this distinction? Not in terms of whether the evidentiary can be Khosrabil Bakati Hayom. Right? It's obvious to him, Mikal Bachomer, that the evidentiary can be Khosrabil Bakati Hayom, even if he can't pay it back. Right, thank you. The question for him is whether the evidentiary can collect the entire contract even if he hasn't done the work in it and he hasn't been paid in advance so he says in the end he says yeah we'll make a distinction that if you if you were paid in advance like an evidentiary right so you don't have to give it back but if you're an employee who has been paid in advance we don't force the employer to give you the money right to give you the money if in fact the, right you were paid up front by the employer you might not have to give it back like an evidentiary Right, so that's the distinction he makes, right? It's not right, the right the halacha of the marik. It wouldn't even be a home. You wouldn't have to pay it back, period. No, because like an evidentiary doesn't have to pay it back. But what, then then why, would, why would anybody hire anybody? You kill, you kill. Or why would anybody ever pay in advance for anything? Right, so nobody. Ever, right, so the answer would be. But what does that mean, like an evidentiary? The evidentiary does have to pay back. Uh, the evidentiary has to, eventually has to pay back. Uh, when you get in order right. to get out, you have to pay it back. Um, no, if he wants to get out, but if he didn't want get out, if he just stayed in the contract, he doesn't have to pay it back, right? He just stayed in the contract. So it's an interesting question. You're saying that here, right here, here, right, the you can't fulfill the contract. You didn't breach the contract. Right? We're talking about involuntary breach, right? So you're not breaching. The, you're not really breaching the contract. You're just becoming an incapacitated evid. So an incapacitated evid doesn't have to buy their way out. They just you know stay in the hospital on the disabled list. 
Torah. So specifically in the case of Torah. So it's really the case where the, right, if the Ebed voluntarily breaches it, uh, that, right, so I think he'd agree probably if the Ebed voluntarily breaches it, so then the Ebed is being mazik, the other person's going to have to pay it back. Just you pay it back according to Yad Toa Al Yonot, you pay it back whichever way it's worth. But if, it's, you didn't, if, it, but if you write the same argument that we saw, uh, right, that once you say it's a Frankfurt Mazik, so if it's not your responsibility, it's not, right, it's not, it's not Garmi, so then you don't have to pay. Right, so he ends up, right, the Maram ends up with a, in this version, with a, a version with, where the, in fact, the employee ends up with the best of both worlds. There's an Easter of Kilibin Esrolodim, which prevents us from ever demanding specific performance, but you get all the advantages of an Evid as well, which means that it, right, if you were paid in advance, you don't have to return it. Um, right, if the if the employer breaches involuntarily, you get paid for the part of the contract you didn't do. Uh, right, just an, an amazing, an amazing outcome. In the end, he tells you the reason he was closer, but really he says is me pi bal hachalom. So we don't know who the bal hachalom is. I just put this in Asabet Midrash. Who was I thought it was originally the shut minashemayim, but it doesn't seem as yet that the dates and the places overlap, although they did overlap in time in a certain certain way. Um, Shlomi Helfkat right now found an article where somebody suggested the Maram was his own Baal Chalom, because he found a place where somebody talked about the Maram having a dream and doing something. And I found Rashi in several places it refers to the Baal Chalom as a Malach. And the Alshif says specifically it's Gabriel. So we don't know right, what, where, the Maram, where the Maram got this reading from. But at the end of the day, right, so I, you know, I, I set out a really radical vision, right, which was a totally pro-employee Understand, right, understand, understanding of the suya, and now you know where I can get it from, uh, and now we'll have to figure out how it plays out, uh, right, how that all plays out in halacha, uh, but we can say that the real given is that we know that you can never ban, lechol hadeos, it seems you can make an argument, lechol hadeos, you can never demand specific performance, so at the very least, the poll is like inevitably. Okay. Thank you. Okay, and that's probably a good place to break into Kolehera because that's that, uh, that that sets out my my, right, my my agenda for the first for the first week. All right. This, there seems like a great racket if you can if you can.